Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a church that is learning to live like Jesus for the restoration of our city and the renewal of our nation. During the coronavirus outbreak, we have both online and in-person gatherings across all of our sites in and around Cardiff. So wherever you feel comfortable at the moment, you can engage with church. You can find all of the details you'll need on our website, vineyardcardiff.org Sundays. Here's this week's talk from our associate pastor, Alice Meads. Hi, hello. I wanted to start today um, by telling you um, a, a story that I had totally forgotten about. Matt reminded me of it this week. Um, it was about 15 years ago and I had been fortunate enough to be invited to go out to Norway as part of a group um, that went, we were going from Trent Vineyard in Nottingham to go and help lead and speak at um, their annual Vineyard Youth Conference over in Norway. It was for the whole Nordic region, so there were people from all over coming to be part of this conference. Matt was with me, we had just started dating, that's how long ago it was, and you know, James and Jen, uh, Rankin, they'd come with us, <laughs> you know, they were tagging along trying to learn what they could from us, <laughs> that's a joke. Um, and Jen and I, we had been asked to lead um, uh, for one of the afternoons to lead a seminar on the Bible. And we'd met beforehand to plan it and um, yeah, we were excited about doing it when we got to the conference and the afternoon rolled around for us to do the seminar. And um, we had to stand up, um, we we're all gathered together, we had to stand up and just share a little bit about our seminar um, and um, as all the other seminar leaders were so that people could decide which seminar they wanted to go to. And I remember Jen and I stood up and Jen was like, you know what, God's got a book out and you need to read it. And, uh, you know, full of fun and enthusiasm and I kind of patched in a bit of the detail about what we were going to be doing as part of the seminar. And we sat down and thought, yeah, that went pretty well. And then the other seminar leaders stood up and they were like, they stood up, they were like the, um, uh, the kind of the cool, trendy youth workers at the conference. I think they were from Oslo Vineyard and they were like super cool dressed. Um, you know, and I think there was a couple of guys and a girl and they stood up and they were like, we are going to be doing our seminar talking about dating and relationships and sex and you would be so welcome to come. And then the point came where we, we were staying in the room to do that, to do our seminar. So everyone else that wanted to go to a different seminar, um, there was a time for them to go up and leave. And this, uh, the other kind of the trendy uh, youth leaders, they went and to start their seminar in a different room. And we watched as every, all the young people stood up and left our room to go and try and be in that seminar. <laughs> I remember there was a few people left behind, mainly youth workers that wanted to stay to hear our seminar on the Bible. And I remember because we started the seminar, and then about 10 minutes in, a whole load of them came back to join our seminar because there wasn't enough room in the dating seminar. <laughs> now, I tell you that story, not just because it made me chuckle a lot this week as I thought about it, as I relived it, but mainly because I thought it says a lot about what often our approaches or our responses to when we think about the word of God. Maybe thinking about it, this sermon series, it's just not your first choice. It wouldn't be your first choice. Maybe it sounds a bit dry. Maybe you've given up reading the Bible because you've tried and you found it difficult or boring or frustrating at times. James asked this question last week in the first talk of the series. He said, what is your relationship with the Bible? And if you're honest, maybe you don't know if you can trust it. Or maybe you just feel really guilty because you don't read it as much as you feel like you should. And you know what? I, can, I have felt all those things at different points in my life and at different points in my walk with Jesus. I can sympathise and I can understand. 
James shared some of his story last week, and mine is similar in that my love for um, the Word of God was somewhat diminished by going to study the Bible in a secular environment at university. It was taught by scholars who were proud to be called atheists. And every lens to look at the Bible was permissible, except through the lens of faith. The Bible was in no way allowed to be thought of as scripture as the word of God. And I, I emerged from my degree some three years later, feeling slightly dizzy by the experience, if I'm honest. I still loved and trusted Jesus, but I didn't know if I could trust the Bible. And, and I lived in that tension for several years after university. But you know what, through different seasons of my life, through different moments of faith, just of continually coming back to the scriptures and finding as I've done so that there have been moments where I have encountered the presence of God deeply, where God has spoken as I've read something and it has spoken powerfully and deeply to me in a way that is so real. And, and through those, the years of doing that, I've rediscovered my love for the Bible. Maybe it looks slightly different, you know, a bit more mature than, when, than before I went to university, but it's still there, a deep love for the Bible where I hold intention the, the difficulties I find in the Bible, the questions I have, the bits that I don't understand or the bits that I do understand, which are sometimes more problematic, <laughs> trying to hold that intention with the deep love and awe that I have for the Bible, with the power in it, the brilliance in it, the depth of it. I love it because of what it reveals about who God is and what he is like. And as I read it and, dis and, and, and study it, I find that I discover a God who speaks. You know, the word who draws near. I discover a storyteller that beckons us to participate in his great story. I discover a saviour who reminds us of who we are and where one day we will belong. I love this quote from Augustine of Hippo. He said this, the holy scriptures are our letters from home. I love that. It reminds me of my first term of university, in fact, of when, uh, you know, my mum, she was a prolific letter writer and she used to send letters from home. And I remember when they arrived, how much I would value them and treasure them and love them. They were my letter, they were letters from home. And, and that is my heart for us as we do this series, that you would see the Bible as letters from home. That you would recognise that they are written from the God who loves you, and they are written about the place where one day we will belong. And, and, and I don't want to kind of this series to portray the Bible in any way as kind of in an oversimplistic way to, to portray the Bible as this easy thing that every time we read it, it's like instantly impactful, that it instantly means something, we instantly understand it. Because I know that's not the case, that's not the case in my life. But my prayer is, is that as we journey through this series, that you would grow in your love for scripture and for the Bible that you would become its student, that you would see that it is an integral part of your discipleship to Jesus. The Bible is essential in our discipleship to Jesus. And you know, this series on the Bible is part of a bigger series that we started last year, where we've called it Live Like Jesus, where we are looking at what it means to be one of Jesus' disciples, to be one of his apprentices. Now, if the goal of discipleship is for us to live our lives in the way that Jesus would live our lives if he were us, then it's worth saying from the outset that Jesus built his life on the scriptures. He trusted them, he understood them, he'd memorised them, he taught them, he lived by them. You know, James spoke about that last week, that Jesus was a man of the word. And therefore, as likewise, in following his example and learning to live like Jesus, that we are to be people of the word. John Mark Comer says this, 
There is no version of legitimate apprenticeship to Jesus that does not have a central place for the Bible and does not read the Bible as scripture. And that's what this series is about. It's about the central place the Bible plays in our discipleship to Jesus. And today I want to look at what are perhaps familiar verses for some of us to understand this idea more fully about what it is to read the Bible as his disciples, how we should approach it. We're going to be looking in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. And before we jump in, just to set a bit of the context. So this is Paul writing, the Apostle Paul, and he is writing to his protege, Timothy, a younger leader. And Paul, at this point in his life, it's late in his life, he was most likely in prison in Rome, awaiting certain death. And Timothy um, is uh, in a church in Ephesus. He is leading a church that Paul had planted in Ephesus. And we know that there were problems of false teaching in this church, which must have been very daunting for Timothy as a fairly kind of young leader. And at the beginning of this chapter, in chapter three here, Paul has kind of spoken in depth about the kind of godlessness, the lawlessness of uh, lawlessness of, of humankind. And almost in, as such to kind of try and reassure Timothy that this, the problems Timothy is facing, it's not a result of his leadership per se, of Timothy's church leadership, but actually just a reality of what it is to live in a world surrounded by people that don't know Jesus. And then Paul addresses Timothy, it kind of turns halfway through the chapter, which is where we're gonna pick it up. And Paul turns and addresses Timothy very personally. Um, almost as I said, it was one disciple towards the end of his ministry, speaking to another disciple. And this is what he says in verse 14 down to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love the way he starts that, that kind of gear change in verse 14. He's like, and so you, Timothy, as for you, he's like, Timothy, don't let this phase you. You know, when everyone else around you is losing their heads, when people are preaching a load of rubbish, when they're preaching a gospel that has nothing to do with Jesus, don't lose your head. Stay focused on what you know on what remains unchanged, the word of God. I feel like that's a message for our time, you know, when it is chaos around us, when everyone is losing their heads, stay focused on what you know, on what remains unchanged, the word of God. And Paul explains in verse 15 that this is so important because ultimately, scriptures lead us back to Jesus, that we encounter Jesus through the word of God. And the Bible is the story of the redemptive story of God, working in history to bring his people back to him. And that culminates in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. I love how the message translates this verse, verse 15. It says this, there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I love that. There's nothing like it. So for Paul, it's through the word of God that we encounter the person of Jesus. And as such, it's worth saying that we don't read the Bible, therefore, as an end in itself. We read the Bible because of what it reveals to us about Jesus, because it leads us back to Jesus, to his story, to what he has done, to the salvation that he has won for us. And then Paul continues, he says this, he says, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, God-breathed here is a word in Greek that's theotnustos. 
and uh, it, it would appear that this was the first term, uh, first time this word was used in Greek. It seems that Paul made it up, he coined the phrase here in this verse to try and get, uh, get across this point that scripture is breathed out from God. It comes from God and therefore carries his authority. And the word breathe is the same word used of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible is a work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says all scripture is, not just the easy bits. <laughs> you know, the Bible is actually 66 books and it covers thousands of years of history and it contains lots of different types of writing. You know, there's kind of history books in there, there's prophetic books, there's poetry, there's proverbs, there's letters, there's gospels and all sorts in there. And Paul says all of it is useful. And the, the picture I have as, as I think of this idea is, is almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Now, if you, I like a good jigsaw puzzle. And if you've ever done a jigsaw puzzle, you'll know that, um, you know, when you, there's, there's certain sections of the puzzle that are quite easy to do. You know, that when you look at all the pieces all kind of scattered out and kind of jumbled up, there's some sections, maybe it's a block of a particular colour or pattern that you can easily identify and kind of put together and do that section. And then often in a jigsaw, there's a whole section of maybe sky or an expanse of sea or something like that that when you look at it, you're like, how am I gonna make that make sense of that? It's hard to know where the pieces go and how they fit together. Maybe they're the bits that you leave right to the last minute. And that's kind of how it is with the Bible, that some bits, some books or some parts of it, they're easy to see how they fit and where they go. And then there's some bits that are less so, <laughs> that take a bit more working out. But do you know what, together, they piece together the picture of the story of God. They make up a beautiful picture of his redemptive story that we are invited into. Paul says it's all useful. For what? Well, he says this, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul goes on to say that not only do we encounter Jesus through the word, in the word, but that we can be transformed to look more like him through the word. That we can be transformed to look more like him through the word. And I say can be because it's not a given. You know, reading the Bible isn't necessarily a guarantee that we end up looking more like Jesus. It's not like this automatic thing that happens. That was true for my lecturers at university who had no intention of looking more like Jesus through reading the Bible. And whilst they're wonderful people, they didn't <laughs> look more like Jesus from reading it. But this can also be said of people who would identify as followers of Jesus. You know, it's possible to know the word of God, but look nothing like Jesus. That was true of the Bible scholars of Jesus' day, the Pharisees. If you want to look in John chapter 5, you'll see there's a moment where Jesus says, you know, you know the scriptures by heart. But I will say this to you, that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. They were not transformed by their reading of scripture. They were graceless, loveless, religious, hard-hearted. In short, they reflected very little of the God that they were reading about. And Jesus challenged them big time on that. So how are we to read the scriptures in a way that does change us, that does help us look more like the one that we encounter in its pages? How does the Bible engage us in this transformation process of looking more like Jesus? Well, our starting point, as we see in these verses, is the heart posture by which we approach the Bible as followers of Jesus. Note here the list of what Paul says scripture can be useful for. He says teaching, rebuking, correcting and training. Now they are all participles, which is a fancy word for saying they all end in the word ing. They're all doing something, aren't they? They're all active words. 
you know, note that in these verses, the Bible is the subject and we are the object. You know, the Bible is the thing doing the doing and we are the thing that is being acted on. You know, we are not the ones in control. And let me kind of explain a bit more, you know, as, as human beings, especially perhaps in this modern age, that we are, we are hardwired to approach a text, any text, ready to critique it, to master it, to get what we need, and then to get out of there as fast as we can. You know, we read texts as information for us to draw from and to use as we need, as we see fit. We set the agenda. And we do this all the time, whether we're reading the, an article on the BBC News, whether we are reading a novel, whether we're engaging with social media, whether we're researching something, whatever it is that we are doing. And this way of reading, of processing, is fast-paced, it's wide-reaching, we often cover a lot of ground very quickly, and, and as we do it, we often hold ourselves back at a critical distance. We are the subject and we look at the text as the object and we, um, as we weigh up whether, whether we agree with it, what we think about it. And in this way of reading, we ultimately remain in control. Now, there's some merits to this approach. You know, we read and process the world around us like this all the time. You know, in some ways, perhaps it's the only way to cope with the amount of communication and information that comes our way. So it is helpful. It's just not the approach that we should take as disciples of Jesus when we approach the Word of God. A guy called Robert um, Mulholland, he wrote a helpful book called Shaped by the Word, and we've, you might notice we've nicked the title of it for our sermon series. And uh, he helpfully, he contrasts this kind of reading, you know, reading for information on one hand, with reading um, with, uh, for formation on the other. You know, reading the Bible in order to live more like Jesus, with spiritual formation in mind. And so when we read not for information, but for formation, we come to scripture ready to learn, ready to be taught. We are the object, not the subject. We are not in control. As I thought about it this week, the picture I've had of what I've been reminded of is of Mary, one of Jesus's disciples. And she sits, the Bible tells us, at Jesus's feet, in the dust at Jesus's feet, hanging on her rabbi's every word. And I feel like that is a great picture of what, uh, what our heart posture should be like as disciples when we come to the word of God. That we come with humility, acknowledging that we don't know everything there is to know. We come ready to hear, ready to learn. That is the heart posture of a disciple. And as we approach scripture with this heart posture, the word of God then can transform us through the following ways, as Paul outlines. Firstly, it teaches us. It teaches us, Paul says. As I've said, you know, we come to the Bible as students, ready to be taught. The Bible teaches us what is true. It gives us a whole new framework through which to view the world. It tells us what God is, or who God is, what he is like, what his priorities are. It teaches us what life in the kingdom is like. It teaches us of the hope of Jesus. It teaches us how we were created to live. It teaches us that we are loved beyond measure. It teaches us who we are, really are. It teaches us that there is a radically different way to be and live in the world around us. Scripture teaches us. Secondly, as Paul says, it rebukes us. Scripture exposes our rebellion from God, the ways in which we want to be in control. Our me-centeredness, our self-preoccupation. Yeah, there are times when we read the Bible where it offends us. You know, when what we value or we think it is important is just not what the Bible values or thinks is important. 
You know, the Bible, just as an example, it has a lot to say about the dangers of being rich and the danger that for those of us that are rich, which is most of us listening to this talk, you know, comparatively to the rest of the world, though I admit it's not all of us listening, but the Bible paints a pretty kind of a harsh picture of the dangers of being rich, that we put our security in our money. We don't put our security in our trust in God to provide for us. That's not easy to read about. The Bible tells us that we should forgive those who have hurt us greatly. That's not easy to read if you've been hurt in the deepest of ways. The Bible tells us what our sin really looks like and what it feels like to God. The Bible is deeply confrontational. It exposes our heart posture and it invites us again to say yes to Jesus and to die to ourselves. You know, that process of discipleship that we've talked about. It exposes our brokenness, the difference between the reality of who we are and all that God has called us to be. So the Bible rebukes us. The Bible corrects us, Paul says. Now, the Greek word he chooses to use is the word straight. And the, uh, the idea he's creating, uh, that he's kind of trying to get across here, is that the word of God brings us back into alignment. Or it brings us back into wholeness, if you like. You know, and, and that's done as we engage with the word of God and we recognise that God is in control, not us. You know, when we come to the end of ourselves and discover God in all his fullness. When we acknowledge that there is someone who knows far better about how to live our lives than we do. Someone who is far wiser, far more insightful. Someone who has plans for our thriving. When we discover that we are our most whole, we are our most in alignment, we are most at peace, most full of joy, most full of love. When we let go of our illusion of control and instead put our faith, put our trust in him. The Bible corrects us. And then lastly, the Bible trains us in righteousness. The word train here in Greek, it was a well-known word used in, in kind of Greco-Roman times. And it was the word used to kind of refer to the process of bringing up children, of helping to kind of form them into human beings that bring value to the world around them. And it's, it's still a process that parents and guardians kind of go through um, with, uh, with our children today, you know, investing in our children, instructing them, disciplining them, teaching them, watching them grow and mature day in, day out. And what Paul is saying here is that is the role that the Bible plays in our lives. That through this process of teaching and rebuking and correcting, that the Bible trains us just like a parent would train a child. That it helps us grow from being childish in our faith, which is different to childlike, to being childish in our faith, to, being, to, to become mature followers of Jesus. People who live well, or as Paul says, people who live right. And like all training, this is done over years of day in, day out. You know, day in, day out of being in the word of God that this is done. It's worth adding briefly that this is all done in step with the Holy Spirit. You know, the word of God we've said, we've seen, as Paul says, it's spirit breathed. It's a work of the spirit. And you know what, that same spirit that breathed into life the word of God is the same spirit that transforms our hearts as we then read that word of God. And our role as disciples, if you like, is to create the conditions for growth. You know, that's what these spiritual disciplines are, are about. They are about creating um, the conditions for growth in our hearts, creating opportunities um, of allowing the work of the Holy Spirit in us. 
you know, and you know, if, if you like, the, this process of taking in the word of God each day, of coming to the word of God with the heart posture of a disciple that says, God, I don't know, I want to learn. When we do that, it's like we plant ourselves as disciples in the most fertile of soil. You know, we create the best environment for our growth when we root ourselves in the word of God and approach it with the heart of a disciple. I'm going to look at that more um, in coming weeks with, and we're going to look with a more practical lens of how we can start to do this. And we're going to be sharing with you the kind of Bible reading plans that you might want to get involved with. I'm going to be running an evening where we do a whole overview of the whole Bible. That's on the 1st of February. You'd all be most welcome. We are going to be sharing on these Sunday preaches um, lots of kind of helpful um, bits and bobs just to help uh, resource you to start to read the word of God in that daily way, day in, day out, maturing in your faith, maturing in your discipleship to Jesus, planting yourself in that rich, fertile soil, creating the best environment for your growth. In the meantime, my advice to you would be, or as a start of a 10, my advice would be to you to start small but go deep. Start small, but go deep. Just read a few verses at a time and come as a student to the text, ready to learn. Come with the heart posture of a disciple. You know, ask the question of the Lord. What do you want to speak to me about through this verse? And then listen. What, God, do you want to speak to me about through this verse? And picture yourself just this week. Why not try it? Do it. Start the day with Jesus. Open your Bible and just picture yourself sitting at his feet like Mary did, ready to learn, ready to be taught. Now Paul says all of this and then he has one more thing to say in verse 17. He says, do all of this so that, in order that, verse 17, we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now the word thoroughly here is kind of slightly, kind of oddly translated here in the NIV. You'd be best to translate the verse like this, that we may be complete equipped for every good work um, and, and this word artios is the word complete and it kind of means like the ideal example you know the images of someone reaching their full potential you know imagine like an athlete that has you know like an olympic athlete that their body has reached its full potential and that is what um, paul the image paul is putting into the room here and he's saying you know as that as we encounter jesus in the word that as we are transformed to look more like him through the word, that we become the people that we were meant to be, that we reach our full potential, that we experience life, the life that we were meant to live, you know, the life of the easy yoke of being a disciple of Jesus. And of course, this is a process over a lifetime. You know, I am very much on that process, not at the end. <laughs> um, but as such, engaging with this process, we, um, we get to live a life that is full, more and more full of the goodness of God, the love of God, the peace of God. The joy that comes from knowing Jesus and that, Paul says, overflows to the world around us. So he says this, he says, we encounter Jesus in the word that as and as we do say that we are transformed to look more like him through the word. And then finally, Paul says that as people of the word, we bring transformation to the world around us. What an invitation. Will you say yes? Thank you.